Greetings once again in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I just want to welcome you again this day. This is another day to share the word of God together and I believe you will be blessed as I was blessed. Let me pray first. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, we bless you, we honor you for this opportunity to share your word, to connect with your people, to connect with your children. And mighty Father, everyone who will hear the, the word that I'm preaching this day, may they be encouraged, may they be enlightened, for you said the entrance of your word brings light and development unto us. Holy Spirit, indeed, you are our teacher, you teach and reveal the truth to us. And even right now, we are ready to receive from the throne of God. Use me for your glory, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that your word will go forth in power and in simplicity. In Jesus' name, amen. As we celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we celebrate deliverance from sin. We celebrate freedom from the kingdom of darkness. We celebrate forgiveness. God gives us a chance to start on a new slate, whether you are a murderer, a prostitute, a thief, or whatever you have done, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. Nobody has sinned so much that God cannot forgive you. Jesus was tortured, severely beaten, and nailed to the cross. Those of you who have watched the movie, The Passion of Christ, have a sense of what our Lord Jesus went through. You can imagine the suffering he went through in the Garden of Gethsemane and at Golgotha. If we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, from verse 36 to 39, I'll read it from the NIV. It reads, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You can see from the anguish, the way he's praying that he was indeed in pain. His sweat was like drops of blood. Imagine the physical pain he felt and the emotional pain he suffered. During his crucifixion at Golgotha, he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Never before was he ever separated from God the Father. But on the cross, when he was carrying our sins, he felt forsaken by the Father. He suffered all that just for you and I. Actually, Isaiah puts it very well. He puts it very clearly. If you go to the book of Isaiah 53, from verse 3 to 5, in the King James Version, it reads, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He carried my sorrows, therefore I cannot afford to carry sickness again. With his stripes I am healed. That's why I refuse. I cannot allow the enemy to put sickness on my body after Jesus has carried my sorrows. He carried my sickness. He has paid the full price. He was wounded for our transgressions and I cannot continue to transgress. He suffered so much that I cannot afford to still live in sin. That is like trampling his sacrifice underfoot. That's why as children of God, we should no longer deliberately live in sin because it will be like we are taking for granted the sacrifice that Jesus has made when he died for us. The book of Hebrews, chapter 10, from 26 to 29, we read in the NIV. It reads, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who have insulted the spirit of grace. I value and appreciate what Jesus has done for us on the cross. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Actually, the book of Psalms 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. The east and the west will never meet. That's how far my sins have been removed from me. There is no trace of sin after the blood of Jesus has washed it. When the blood of Jesus washes away sins, we are also freed from guilt and condemnation. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, we will read it in the Amplified 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 reads, But if we really are living and walking in the light, he himself is, as he himself is in the light, we have true and broken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. So actually, when God forgives us, he does not remember our sins anymore. We should also learn to forgive ourselves when God has forgiven us. We should also make sure that we don't feel that guilt anymore because it's all paid for. When the blood of Jesus washes us, there is no longer trace of sin. Hebrews 10, 16 to 18 in the Amplified says, This is the agreement of the Testament or the covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their hearts and I will inscribe them on their minds, on their inmost thoughts and understanding. He then goes on to say, and their sins and their law-breaking I will remember no more. Listen to that. Now, when there is absolute remission, that's verse 18, now when there is, where there is 
absolute remission, forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty of those sins and law-breaking, there is no longer any offering made to atone for sin. This is true and genuine forgiveness. He says, their sins I will remember no more. That's good news. Through the blood of Jesus, our sins are washed away, no longer traceable. This is what we call remission. While atonement is just the covering, like what the blood of animals did under the old covenant. The problem with covering is that whatever is covered can be uncovered. You, can, you will always leave with the feeling of guilt. Let me just illustrate to you the understanding of remission or the washing away, which is the ultimate thing that the blood of Jesus has done. I remember one time when we were partaking of the Holy Communion and the grape juice spilled on a white cloth. You can think of the mark, the red mark on the white cloth. But after the cloth was washed, there was no trace of red color on the cloth. It was completely gone. The whole cloth was white. That's how the blood of Jesus cleanses our sins. No more trace of sin. Isaiah actually also clearly states this point in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. We read in the King James Version. It reads, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. You can see what the blood of Jesus does. So therefore, we should take courage, we should be encouraged, we should be exhorted to say we cannot run away from God if we have sinned. Because his blood, the blood of Jesus, is ready to cleanse us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. On the cross, the blood of Jesus did not only bring about our forgiveness, but he also forgave those who wronged him. Jesus did not call for vengeance upon those who crucified him. Luke 23 verse 34 in the New King James Version after all that they have done to Jesus, listen to how he prays. Luke 23, 34, in the New King James Version, it reads, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. What a prayer. Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Even with all the pains that he was feeling, he still chose to forgive them, and he asked the Father to also forgive them. Some of you may say that it is impossible to forgive the way Jesus did when he asked his father to forgive his murderers. There may be times when people who wronged you may not ask for forgiveness. You should forgive them anyway. Those who crucified Jesus did not ask for forgiveness, but Jesus forgave them anyway. When you forgive people, you set them free. Whoever you forgive will be forgiven. Actually, I never used to understand John chapter 20, verse 23, but now I think I understand it better. Let's read John chapter 20, verse 23 in the NIV. It reads, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Do you see now how crucial it is that you forgive other people? Because when you forgive them, then they can be forgiven. So when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he forgave them first, 
but you also now ask the Father to forgive them. Similarly, in your own life, if there are people that have wronged you, forgive them and also pray that God may forgive them. However difficult it may be to forgive some people, do it to free them. But it is also for your own freedom. We don't forgive because it is easy. We forgive because we were also forgiven. We forgive because we are commanded to forgive. Forgiveness frees you. If you don't forgive, you keep yourself bound. Some people find forgiveness to be a burden or a hard thing. But it is unforgiveness that is able. Forgiveness should be the better thing to do so that you should not be living under having that bitterness, that anger, feeling bad and feeling down because you cannot forgive people. Don't do that on yourself. Some of you are holding grudges and are struggling to forgive. You have even sworn that I will never forgive her for what she has done to me. You can't even forgive somebody who is even dead already. Forgive even if it is difficult. Ask God to help you to forgive. Forgive one another even in your families. Husbands and wives, forgive one another even in your marriage. Because forgiveness is key to success in marriage. The blood of Jesus doesn't cry for judgment, but for mercy and forgiveness. You see, when people have wronged us, we want justice. We want them to be repaid for the wrong they have done to us. But the blood of Jesus doesn't call for vengeance. The blood of Jesus doesn't cry for justice. It cries for mercy. So if you go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23 and 24 in the Passion Translation, you will understand this very clearly. As it compares what the blood of Jesus cries out for compared to what the blood of Abel cries out for. Listen to this. Hebrews 12, 23 to 24 in the Passion Translation. And as members of the church of the firstborn of all our all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. And we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. And we have come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood, sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Blood that continues to speak from heaven. What does it speak? Forgiveness. A better message than Abel's blood that cries from the earth, justice. So the blood of Jesus keeps on crying and speaking, forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. But the blood of Abel cries for justice. It is human to call for vengeance. When you feel that you have been wrong, you want justice to prevail. We are not saying it's not necessary to have justice. But mercy triumphs over judgment. The blood of Abel cried for justice. When we are wrong, we want justice to be done. But like I said, mercy triumphs over judgment. If you go to the book of James chapter 2, verse 13 in the New King James Version, you will see this. It says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we all want to be shown mercy. We want people to be merciful to us. If we want people to be merciful to us, we also have to show mercy. 
Because if you go to the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 7, it says in the New King James Version, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, that word mercy, I like the illustration or the example of the, how my spiritual father, Reverend Mandava, has defined this one when he distinguished between mercy and grace. I would paraphrase it and say, mercy is when God, because of his love, denies us the pain we rightfully deserve. You see, you deserve the pain because you've done something wrong, but mercy says it will be too painful for you. Don't get it. So mercy says you've done wrong and you deserve to be punished, but you will not get the punishment because God loves you. Grace, on the other hand, it says you will get what you don't deserve. It's unmerited faith. So grace says you don't deserve to get good things because of what you have done, but you will get them even if you don't deserve them because God loves you. Oh, I think the combination of mercy and grace. With this, you will never get astray. You will never miss out. Take advantage of the mercy and the grace of God. We should love and forgive even those who don't deserve it. Because God has been merciful to us, we should also show mercy. When our enemies deserve judgment, we can pray for mercy upon them. Jesus says in the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48, we'll read in the Good News translation. It says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, that sounds like justice, and a tooth for a tooth. But now I tell you, do not take vengeance on someone who wrongs you. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, let him slap your left cheek too. And if someone takes you to court to sue you for your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if one of the occupation troops forces you to carry his pack on one mile, carry it two miles. When someone asks you for something, give it to him. When someone wants to borrow something, lend it to him. You have heard that it was said, love your friends, hate your enemies. But now I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may become the children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun to shine on bad and good people alike and gives rain to those who do good and to those who do evil. Why should God reward you if you love only people who love you? Even the tax collectors do that. And if you speak only to your friends, have you done anything out of the ordinary? Even the beggars do that. You must be perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect. You can see how Jesus views this matter. For him, we have to be different from people of the world. What seems to make sense in the world doesn't always make sense with God. The principle of saying an eye for an eye sounds like justice. Whoever wrongs you deserves to be punished. But mercy says you must be forgiven. You may say, but pastor, this is difficult. It's not possible for me as a mere human being to forgive like that. Maybe Jesus did it because he was God. But I can tell you, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, he was setting an example for us that we can forgive even if people are tormenting us. But anyway, let me give you another example as we draw to a close of somebody who was human like you and I, 
not just Jesus, because some of you say that Jesus was God, but I can tell you he set an example for us as a human being here on the earth. However, let me give you another example of somebody who did it, Stephen. So Stephen forgave those who were stoning him to death. He pleaded with God not to charge them for that sin. It sounds impossible and difficult, and yet Stephen did it. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 57 to 60 in the NLT, listen to this. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them on the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned him. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. What a surprising thing. People stoning you, people killing you, stoning you to kill you. And yet you say, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. It means Stephen knew that he had to forgive them so that they can be forgiven. Do you know that in the crown, one of the people who was there was Saul, a young man called Saul. We all know who Saul was. He later became Paul. So it means the prayer of Stephen of saying, Lord, forgive them. Don't lay this charge against them of this sin. It also freed Saul, who later became Paul. You don't know what your unforgiveness is blocking. Don't hinder the move of God by holding a grudge. Some of the people that you need to forgive, free them so that they can go and do the work of the Lord freely so that God can use them like he used Saul, who later became Paul. I believe this message was a blessing to you. I believe we have all learned that we need to forgive as we have been forgiven so that as we celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we should always acknowledge that the cross of Calvary was the epitome of forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to pray as we close this cast. I've taught you, I've shared with you a lot about forgiveness. There may be people that you are struggling to forgive. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God may help you to forgive and also that you may heal from the pain that has been caused on you by those that have wronged you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We honor you, Father. We are thankful for the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Indeed, he died for us so that we may be forgiven. Mighty Father, we appreciate that we are now forgiven as children of God and those that are still in the world, salvation is free for them also. They can accept Jesus and be forgiven. But Father, I want to pray also for those people who are struggling to forgive. The people that are saying, I'm hurt. I'm hurt, I cannot forgive. Even if I try, I've been trying to forgive, but I just cannot. Father, I say you know their hearts. I pray for them. You know even the hurt that they have suffered. I pray that you heal them. 
I pray that you give them strength to be able to forgive. That indeed they should not be bogged down by bitterness. So that, Father, indeed they may progress in their lives. For you said, O Lord, if we cannot forgive others, neither will you, O God, forgive us of our trespasses. We want to be forgiven. We say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that have wronged us too. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, even for our country, I pray for our people, that even as the lockdown has been extended by another two weeks, may we use this opportunity, Lord, to continue to seek your face. Mighty Father, even as you restore our families, as you encourage us as families to spend time with one another and spend time in prayer, we will use this time fruitfully, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we do not forget also to pray for what is going on in our country, the economy of our country. We say, Father, you are in charge. And for those that have covenant with you, they know that you provide for them. And our provision is not dependent on the economies of the world. For you, O Lord, supplies all our needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Those of us who are ambassadors of heaven, we know that we belong to the kingdom of heaven. Our provision comes from heaven. Even though we are in this world, we are catered for by our kingdom, our heavenly kingdom. Father, we give you praise, we give you glory. I pray, Lord, even for anyone who may be sick right now, I send word of healing over you. I say be healed in the name of Jesus. Because when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when he died, when he shed his blood, it was for our sins. But he was also wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we give you praise, we give you glory. May your peace continue to reign in our hearts, even in moments like this. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will not be troubled, for we are believing in you. We are trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Stay blessed in the name of Jesus. Jesus loves you. We love you. We are praying for you. In Jesus' name.